This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. President Joe Biden has announced a $5.8 trillion federal budget, whose key priorities are out of line with his campaign promises. His budget includes significant increases to military and police spending, in an attempt to center the progressive aspects of his budget, Biden announced in a statement that he was taking steps to overturn his predecessor's tax cuts on the rich. But there was no significant spending on social issues, economic justice, or combating climate change. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who heads the Senate Budget Committee, said firmly, quote, we do not need a massive increase in the defense budget. We turn now to Lindsay Korshkarian, Program Director of the National Priorities Project at the Institute for Policy Studies. Welcome to the program, Lindsay. Thanks for having me, Salamali. So first, um, what do you make on the surface of Biden's budget? How does it say compared to previous Republican presidents and even Democratic presidents? Is this a fairly, you know, standard, typical budget of the kind that we expect presidents to take and, and not like what, you know, we might have expected from presidential candidate Joe Biden? Yes, Sonali. So for the most part, this is the type of budget release that we would have seen in the past um, from presidents of both parties. Um, it has an increasing military budget, uh, which you mentioned. Um, the military request in this budget is for $813 billion, um, which is higher than uh, at the height of the Vietnam War. It's higher than the height of the Cold War. Uh, it is higher than the last Trump budget. It is higher than the last Obama budget. So it's trending in the wrong direction. Um, and the other thing we look at is the balance of military to non-military spending in the annual budget. And that too is similar to what we've seen in the past. This budget puts 52% of what's called discretionary spending, the annual spending that Congress passes in their budget. It puts 52% of that into the military. And that means that everything else has to fit into the rest of the pie. And in fact, if you look at the military, Homeland Security, veterans, and things associated with the military, it's actually two out of three discretionary dollars that are going to those things, leaving only one in three dollars for everything else. So the military and sort of broadly speaking, law enforcement, federal immigration enforcement seems to be his priority. It was interesting. I was looking at the New York Times um, analysis of this budget and the Times, you know, explained it as uh, this 10 percent rise that Biden is putting forward um, comes amid threats like Russia's invasion of Ukraine and concerns about China's ambition. I don't know if this is the New York Times trying to justify what Biden is doing or this is some reflection of Biden's reasoning itself. but. We're technically not directly involved in the Ukraine war, although, of course, we're members of NATO. And it seems clear so far that the U.S. is, is not actually going to get into any kind of direct confrontation with Russia. Are these justifications really sensible? No, they're, they're not. Um, these justifications do come from the administration. Uh, they come from the Department of Defense and the highest military leaders. Uh, and this is something we've been hearing for years, is that we need higher military budgets to ad address the threats from China and Russia. 
But if we've learned anything from the Ukraine crisis, it's that decades and years and years of outspending every other country, we spend as much as the next 11 countries. We spend 12 times as much on our military as Russia does. If more military spending were the answer, we wouldn't be in a situation that we're in now. And more military spending is not the answer to the situation we're in now. And as you, uh, as you suggested, there is a very small part of this budget that is actually directly about Ukraine. Um, the, budget, the budget that Congress just passed, um, less than 1% of the military spending in that was for Ukraine. And the Biden proposal um, doesn't actually call for specific funding for Ukraine. It just calls for general military funding. Now, people will say that that's because we need to be ready to defend NATO, um, but we've already been spending tens of billions of dollars. For years and years, we've had tens of thousands of troops stationed all over Europe at dozens of military installations. So this ramp up really isn't commensurate with what's happening right now. Uh, and most important, if the threat that we had in place before the Russian invasion of Ukraine wasn't enough to deter them, Nothing that we're going to add at this point is going to be enough either. So let's um, take a step back and look at where the budget is. Um, you mentioned that the, there's been a budget that's been passed in, in the House. Um, you know, where, where are we that then, of course, the president puts out their budget blueprint. Ultimately, uh, the Senate and the House get to decide what passes and then the president can choose whether to sign it or not. So where are we in that process? So we're, we're in a very strange place in that process, actually. The way it's supposed to work is that the president is supposed to release uh, their budget request in February for the coming fiscal year, which begins in October. Um, so we're a little behind schedule on that, but not too much. So we're, we're pretty close to, to where that's supposed to be. But the budget is supposed to be passed for the fiscal year before it begins in October. Um, and what we've just seen is the budget that Congress just passed is for the fiscal year that we are now halfway through. Huh. Um, so that is why they ended up coming so close together, where you had Congress passing a negotiated budget, and then right on its heels, you had the Biden administration requesting their budget for the next fiscal year. Um, so both of those things kind of happened at the same time this year, but the Biden request is for next fiscal year, and the budget that just passed is for the fiscal year we're in right now. Um, I will say there are a couple of things in the Biden budget, even though its general priorities are not what we would want to see. There are a couple of things that we should push for Congress to maintain. And uh, those are a reduction in the number of detention beds for immigration. Um, the, the Biden proposal reduces the number of detention beds from 34,000 to 25,000. So it's a significant reduction. And Congress is likely to undo that unless they feel appropriate pressure to, to maintain it. Um, the other thing is that the Biden administration has proposed a one-third cut in the number of F-35 jet fighters that they're asking for from the previous year and from many previous years. And that's significant because it's something that we've been pushing for for a long time. Um, and that is also something that Congress is likely to reverse unless they feel the pressure uh, to follow what the Pentagon is asking for and to follow what's rational and to actually maintain those cuts. Right. Often we see these budgets... Uh, putting money to the toward the aspirations of lawmakers that are trying to prove to one another that they can outdo each other on security, defense issues, and being pro-military, even when it's not 
practical even when the military itself says it doesn't necessarily need certain aspects. I, I want to go back to the, the New York Times article uh, about the White House budget, about uh, Biden's budget. The Times said the budget proposal put far less emphasis on the types of grand social, climate and economic policies that Mr. Biden announced last year, but have since run into resistance from moderate Democrats. I take issue with the term moderate Democrats. I feel like they really should be seen as conservative Democrats. But but is this does this justification fly to you? Yes, yes. In fact, the fact that this budget looks so much like the requests that we've seen from past presidents is exactly because of that. It's because all of the priorities that were in Build Back Better have essentially been stripped away. There are some very small pieces. Uh, in this budget proposal, but you don't see any of Biden's signature proposals for domestic spending, for childcare, for healthcare, for elder care, for climate. Uh, you don't see any significant signs of that in this budget. Um, and I actually saw, I'm not, I'm not remembering who to pro properly credit for this, but I actually saw um, someone call it the mansion budget, mm. um, because it does seem to be such a capitulation to um, remember, there was one Democrat who stopped those priorities and then with all of the Republicans. So it's certainly more of a capitulation to Republicans than to, de to centrist Democrats, where there was only one who actually held us back. What does the fact that Senator Bernie Sanders is, you know, heading heading the Senate Budget Committee, what is, how do you think that'll play out in what comes next? He's a chair of the Senate Budget Committee. This was what progressives were happy about, you know, as a consolation prize to not winning the nomination in the presidency. At least he gets to have this very important position. So what do you think will happen? So there are a couple of important things about that. One, of course, is just the megaphone that it gives him. Um, and it certainly does make, you know, makes him more of a go-to person for media to ask about these things. Um, and so that matters for, for public perception and for public understanding, uh, because the way that Senator Sanders will talk about this is not the same as the way that pre previous budget chairs would have talked about it. Um, so there's that. The other difference is that uh, Senator Sanders is in the room. A lot of the negotiations for these budgets happen behind the scenes. Um, and in the past, that has meant that whoever was in Democratic leadership would be in the room for those conversations, and anybody who wasn't in leadership would not. But now with Senator Sanders in this key position, he is much more uh, in the room for those discussions. He's part of the negotiations, uh, and he can't, and the progressive viewpoint that he represents can't just be shunted aside. So it is meaningful, but clearly without the power of the right number of senators and uh, members of the House of Representatives behind a budget that progressives would want to see, it's not enough to have one person in a key position. What about Biden's claim that he is starting to undo the mess, I believe it was the word he used, uh, left by Trump's tax cuts and, uh, you know, is there any reversal of it, given where we are with the skyrocketing inequality and how, particularly during the pandemic, billionaires just minted money? It is, you know, if ever there was a time to slap huge taxes on the wealthiest Americans, and we're talking about just a handful of people out of hundreds of millions, this would be the time. And does Biden, and these are very popular in the public, uh, even among Republicans, does Biden's budget encompass enough of that? 
So you mentioned the, the wealth growth of billionaires during this pandemic. And just for some context, the amount of wealth that billionaire wealth has grown in this country during the pandemic would be enough to cover the entire Biden budget discretionary proposal that we're talking about. Just so the it's growth. Huge, it's <laughs> just the growth in their wealth would be enough to cover the entire thing. Um, so it's a huge amount of money. It's a huge resource. Um, and it is very significant that um, that President Biden is proposing things like a billionaire wealth tax um, that would uh, that would start to reverse some of that and start to reverse the Trump tax cuts from 2017 that were so damaging. Um, so that is very meaningful and it is a big win uh, for movements who've been pushing for that for a long time. Um, but you know, but on the other side, there's the spending side. And unfortunately, what the Biden budget is doing is it's moving back toward deficit reduction instead of toward putting more resources where we need them. Um, and you know, there are multiple ways to, to find those resources. One, of course, is raising taxes on billionaires and corporations, which this budget is doing some of, and that's a very good thing. Another thing is to reallocate some of the funding that we have, uh, which this budget is not doing, and which is what we need to see is funding being drawn down for the military, drawn down for um, ICE and the Customs and Border Protection, that the agencies that were responsible for family separation and uh, for detention of immigrants, we need to see those funds being reallocated to where we really need them. Um, because the truth is that they are not working to keep us safe where they are now. Um, and we, we need to reallocate them into things like healthcare and job uh, creation and education and all of the things that we all know we need. So the next few weeks, uh, Lindsay, I imagine are, are going to be critical in terms of seeing the debates shape up in Congress around budget priorities. This would be the time for those people who were heartened by Biden's uh, progressive economic platform when he was a candidate to speak up and say, keep your promises, right? Yes, yes. This is it, from, from starting right now until at least the fall. Um, we need sustained pressure on members of Congress to push the budget in a more progressive direction. Um, and like I said, to push it in a more progressive direction from where the Biden request is, but also to maintain those key things that are actually good in the Biden budget um, that Congress would be very likely to reverse if, uh, if we don't put enough um, pressure on them to, to maintain those better decisions. I'm wondering if you have any comments on, on, the, on the tactics here. When the president starts out with a budget that he thinks will please Joe Manchin, he's not using his bully pulpit, right? Instead, he could put forth a budget in line with his stated ideals and force Manchin to say no, no, no. I think, I think there have been definite mistakes in the approach to this. I think clearly some more public awareness of what this budget was or what the Build Back Better package was and what was in it um, before the negotiations got serious with Senator Manchin would have been much more helpful so that it would be clear that the public was behind that package, um, which was the case, but it just, people didn't know enough about it. They weren't passionate enough about it um, to create the kind of pressure that would have been needed. So yes, it would have been a very good idea for the Biden administration to have gone out and sold this very hard to the public um, beforehand. And it's not too late for them to do that now. There's another shot at passing a lot of those priorities, um, even apart from this Biden budget request that came out this week. 
um, there's another chance to pass a lot of those priorities separately through the same reconciliation process that we've heard about last year. Uh, and the, the key, of course, is to, uh, to getting Senator Manchin on board. And that has to be a careful mix of negotiation with him, but also of clear public pressure that there will be consequences if he doesn't uh, do what his constituents want. Lindsay, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. What's a good website for people to find out about your work? Our website is www.nationalpriorities.org. And we'll post a link to that from our website. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much. My guest has been Lindsay Koshgarian, Program Director of the National Priorities Project at the Institute for Policy Studies. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.